This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Susie, Sawyer, and Dante beat Captain Drake to the Lantern of Lost Souls in Saudi Arabia. Meanwhile, Grandma snuck onto Drake's ships to retrieve Grandpa's wheelchair. While on board, Grandma overheard Captain Drake talking about needing to get one more artifact from Scotland before heading for their final destination, Antarctica. And now for Episode 11... Scotland and the Pipes of Thunder. 
A thick morning fog crept across the cobblestone streets of Kalanish. The only sound heard in the small Scottish village was the soft peal of bells from the fishing boats and the faint cries of seagulls. Shrugging his coat up to warm his neck, a scruffy fisherman sat outside one of the harbor cafes and sipped a morning drink. After a long, warm sip, he set the cup down and looked out over the water. Something was off. The seagulls were acting strangely. They circled overhead like vultures, and their squawking grew louder. The man's eyebrows turned up. Then he felt it, a slight vibration in his toes. At first it was barely noticeable, but gradually the shaking under his feet grew stronger, until pretty soon all of the ship's bells were ringing as the boats rocked in the water. His little cup rattled off the table and smashed onto the street. The man's mouth fell open as he gazed at the nearby buildings. Beyond them, the green hill was splitting like a melon. With a ferocious rumble, a crack traveled down the hill and ripped through the town, splitting buildings clean in half and sending waves splashing over the boats. The sounds of collapsing buildings and shouts echoed around him. Jumping to his feet, the man stared out at his crumbling village with wild eyes. Across the ocean, tucked away in the forest of the Blue Ridge Mountains, Sawyer and Susie were sitting in Grandpa's treehouse, telling Grandpa all about their adventure in Saudi Arabia. Fog filled the backyard and made the treehouse look like it was floating above the clouds. Down below, the banged-up cab from Saudi Arabia was parked under the tree. And then Grandma was like, wham, right on top of the car, Sawyer said, acting out landing on a car in a wheelchair using a nearby stool. Then she used the sticky wheels to park it on the hood while I was driving a million miles per hour, Susie added. Sawyer crawled across the floor. Then she did the Spider-Man move over to the window and jumped in. Oh man, it was nuts. Grandpa was leaning forward in his wheelchair and eating up every word. Oh, Ellie, I wish I could have been there to see it. Sticky wheels? Genius! Grandma was sitting behind him, wearing a pair of working goggles and fiddling with the wheelchair circuits. You probably would have had a heart attack. Grandpa nodded. Seeing you land on a moving car that my underage granddaughter was driving? Yeah, probably. Grandma touched two wires together by the wheels and they sparked. Zap! Grandpa jumped in the chair. Yeah! What's going on back there? Sorry, Grandma said, pushing up her goggles to look at him. I'm trying to fix it so it doesn't wonk out on you while you're flying. She put the goggles back on and went back to fiddling with the circuits. You did a real number on this thing, Kip. It's like you tried fishing for sharks with it or something. Grandpa's eyes bounced from side to side. Ah, uh, no, it must have been the pirates, those scallywags. He shot the twins a wink and they giggled. Behind them, Dante was looking over the lantern of lost souls, trying to figure out how it worked. He rubbed his thin mustache as he circled it. The lantern was quite small and unimpressive, apart from the fact that the little flame in its glass case never went out even when he had tried to blow it out several times. What's more, the small flickering flame was somehow filling the treehouse with a surprising amount of light, 
which was much appreciated on this cool, dark, foggy morning. All right, I'm out of ideas, Dante said, throwing up his hands. Anyone else want to have a crack at it? I'll take a look, Susie said, getting to her feet and walking over. Dante rolled his eyes. Oh, please, not the girl. She'll figure it out in two seconds and make me look a fool. As predicted, by the time he'd finished whining, Susie had already found a small knob under the lantern's handle and had turned it. As she did, the small flame inside grew tall and thin and started to flicker on and off, filling the room with a strobe-like light. In a fit, Dante threw his cavalier hat onto a chair and pointed back at the lantern. See? Sawyer sighed. Oh, Dante, take it from me. The sooner you embrace it, the better off you'll be. He gave Dante a big dumb smirk, and Dante just raised an irritated eyebrow at him. Little to their knowledge, all around the world, in caves, studies, cellars, and attics, old globes answered to the beacon and began flashing to the pulse of the lantern's light, the same destination glowing on their surfaces. Um, guys, Susie interrupted, something's happening. She stared at the ends of her dark hair that were slowly curling up and lifting around her face. The pulsing light from the lantern flashed faster and faster off her shocked expression. What the heck? Sawyer carefully stepped closer to get a better look. Gramps? Yes? Does the globe travel to outer space? I hope not. Why? Sawyer looked back at him. Because I think my sister is about to be abducted by aliens! Suddenly, all of the books, crayons, and trinkets in the room lifted into the air and then <laughs> The lantern flashed. Susie let out a scream. When the blinding light dimmed, Sawyer found himself hugging a chair. He blinked a few times and looked at it. You're not my sister! He pushed the chair away. Susie? Susie! Sawyer, I'm right here! Susie said, trying to get her bearings herself. Sawyer let out a sigh of relief when he finally saw her sitting next to the flickering lantern. Dante looked around, stunned. What just happened? I was about to ask the same thing, came a voice in the room. Everyone turned to see an older gentleman with a red beard, wearing a kilt, standing in the corner of the room, set of bagpipes tied against his back. Blue paint streaked down his grumpy face. The old man looked at them with one squinted stink eye and spit out of the side of his mouth. Dante immediately whipped out his sword, and Grandpa quickly aimed the wheelchair at him, his hands hovering over its buttons. Now, now, don't get hasty, said the man, raising his hands. You were the ones who called. You answered the call of the lantern? Susie asked in amazement. The man shrugged. Well, of course, it's part of the Globetrotter Code. Although I must say, he looked around the treehouse, I was expecting something a little chaotic. It is a distress signal, you know. <laughs> he spit again and Susie gagged. Gah, gross, she said. Mind taking your saliva outside? Grandma said, her hands on her hips. I do mind, actually. 
the crotchety man said, and he leaned to spit again, but was stopped by the point of Dante's sword. The last one almost got on me boots, mate, he said threateningly. They've been spit-shined plenty, thank you very much. The man held in his spit and glared at Dante with his stink eye. Ooh, are those bagpipes? Grandpa said excitedly. Don't even think about it, the man answered, and Grandpa quickly deflated. Thank you for coming, Susie said, attempting to break the tension. We're trying to unite the Globetrotters so we can defeat Captain Drake. Captain Drake? The man looked at everyone confused. Little lassie, while you're here playing with your wee little treehouse, Captain Drake is pillaging Scotland. What? Grandpa said. What on earth is he doing there? That's what I was trying to figure out before my globe started flashing with this destination. Apparently, he'd rather have me come to a tea party in a treehouse instead. He went to spit again, but Dante raised the sword, and he resisted. I think I know what's going on, Grandma said, taking off her goggles. Everyone looked at her. While I was on Drake's ship, I heard him saying that he needed something from Scotland in order to get to the ultimate treasure in Antarctica. Grandpa shook his head. Well, why didn't you say so? I was planning on it, Kip, but the kids decided to relive every second of their Saudi Arabia trip. I didn't want to be rude. Sorry for interrupting, Dove, Dante said. But how about we continue this conversation in Scotland, eh? If Drake gets to whatever artifact is hidden there, we'll have much more to argue about. I could use the help, the man reluctantly admitted. The name's Scotty. I'm Kip. This is Eleanor, Dante, and our grandchildren, Susie and Sawyer. I like your face paint and the skirt, Sawyer said, nodding to the man's plaid kilt. Scotty raised his eyebrows. It's a kilt, boy. I'm from Scotland. Uh, Sorry, I like your kilt skirt. Scotty looked at the adults. Is he serious? Most likely, Grandpa said. We can talk about that later. Let's get to Scotland. He drove his wheelchair over to the globe that was sitting on a table next to the samurai armor. Sure enough, it was already starting to turn, and Scotland glowed on its surface. Kip, where do you think you're going? Grandma said. To Scotland, of course. See, the globe is calling us on the mission, and it didn't stop turning when I approached it. That must mean it approves. But I still don't know if I fixed everything on that chair, Grandma said. It could turn into a tank midair. Sawyer beamed. Uh, yes, please? Eleanor? Grandpa tilted his head at her. I'll be fine. We'll look after him, Susie said, putting her arm around his shoulder. I did just drive a cab through the desert. I think I'm qualified to keep an eye on my grandpa. Yeah, we'll take great care of him. Sawyer smacked Grandpa on the back and made him wince in pain. Oh, sorry. Someone'll have to stick around if you turned on the beacon, Scotty said, nodding to the lantern. More globetrotters will be arriving any minute, and trust me, you don't want them finding no one when they get here. Fine, I'll stay here and wait for them, Grandma said. I'll stay as well, Dante volunteered. 
just in case some of these globetrotters aren't exactly friendly to our cause. Very well, Grandpa said. He looked at the twins. One of us shall have to wear the samurai armor and globe. Sawyer turned to Susie. Rock, paper, scissors? Okay, ready? Susie held up her hands. Rock, paper, scissors! Susie did rock, and Sawyer held a finger towards the ceiling. What's that? Susie asked. Dynamite! Boom! Blows up your rock! Wow, that's definitely not part of the game, but I'll let you have it anyway since I got to drive on our last trip. Sweet! Sawyer put on the bulky samurai armor and attached the rotating globe to the chest plate. He was surprised how uncomfortable it was wearing the globe. It weighed him down and was kind of annoying to look over. Susie packed away the guidebook while Scotty walked over to them. Hey, smarty pants, Dante called to Susie. Here, it's your turn to take it. He tossed her the magnifying glass. Thanks, Susie said, tucking it into her bag along with the guidebook. Grandpa, the twins, and Scotty joined hands as Grandpa touched the globe poking out of Sawyer's chest plate. In a whirling tornado of light and wind, they vanished from the treehouse and appeared next to a beautiful fountain made of statues. A ring of colorful flowers grew around the pond. Nearby, up a rocky hill, a stone castle overlooked them in the rest of the historic city. Edinburgh, Scotty said, taking a look around with his stink eye. Drake must be at the ports. Scotty, Grandpa said, you mind if I have a turn with those things? He pointed to the bagpipes on Scotty's back. Are you crazy? These are my pipes, old man. No respectable Scot lets another person play their pipes. He spit in disgust and Susie gagged. Sawyer tried to mimic the spit, but ended up just getting some spittle on his chin. Grandpa backed away and held up his hands. Just asking, jeesh. Are we done? Yes, yes, my goodness. Good. Let's get to the port. Sawyer had started chatting it up with the tourists next to them. Look, we're in a real big hurry here, and I'm starving. Can I buy that food off you? Um, sure, the tourist said, glancing between the boy and his strange globe-adorned armor. Sawyer gave the woman a few dollars, and he returned holding a plate of food. Haggish, Grandpa said, rubbing his hands together. Oh, one of my favorites. Can I have a bite? I guess, Sawyer said, handing him the fork. Are you kidding me, Scotty fumed. This isn't a vacation. We're on a mission. Grandpa and the twins ignored the man. Susie looked at the plate skeptically. What is it? Try it, Grandpa said, handing her the fork. Susie took a bite while Grandpa explained. Haggish is a very popular dish in Scotland. It's made of minced onion, oatmeal, spices, and pluck. What's pluck? Susie asked with a mouthful. Well, in this case, it's the lungs, liver, and heart of a sheep. Susie stopped chewing to stare at him. And that casing holding it together is animal stomach. Susie gagged and Sawyer took the plate from her, shrugging off this new information. Still sounds good to me, he said before taking the fork. He struggled to bring the fork up to his mouth over the globe. 
but after a few awkward attempts, he found the right angle and finally got the bite into his mouth. Mmm. Can we please go now? Scotty moaned. Only if you let me play your bagpipes, Grandpa said. Just kidding. Everyone hop on. The twins hopped onto Grandpa's lap, and Scotty hesitantly stepped onto a little metal peg in the back. Once they were all on, Grandpa pressed the button on his armchair's joystick, and they were off. Scotty screamed his brains out as they rocketed high above the city and cruised towards the ocean. As they soared over the buildings, Susie took out the guidebook and turned to the page on Scotland. Edinburgh is the capital of Scotland, she read aloud, trying to talk over the wheelchair's jetpack. But the largest city in Scotland is Glasgow. The main language spoken here is English, or Scottish English, and some of the Scottish people or Scots speak Gaelic. <laughs> Maybe he's speaking Gaelic now, Sawyer mused, pointing back at Scotty who was still screaming and mumbling to himself. Susie read on. Scotland is a beautiful country in Europe that's made up of three main areas. The lowlands, the highlands, and the islands. There are hundreds of islands, but most are small and uninhabited. Scotty continued to scream from the back of the wheelchair she read, and Sawyer casually munched on haggis. The lowlands are mainly fertile green farmland, and the highlands are mountainous, Susie continued. Ooh, that's interesting. The Scots invented the telephone, the television, and the pedal bicycle? And bagpipes, Sawyer added. Actually, Susie read further down the page, they didn't invent the bagpipes, but it is their national instrument. Bagpipes are believed to have been invented in ancient Egypt, before being brought over by invading Romans. Others believe they came over from Ireland. The kilts, not skirts, she raised an eyebrow at Sawyer, are a ceremonial clothing worn by men in Scotland. It usually has a checkered pattern. They typically wear them to formal events. Do they play any sports? Sawyer asked, offering a bite of haggis to the still screaming Scot behind him. The man refused, so Sawyer happily ate the bite himself. Susie scanned down the page. It says they love soccer, which they call football, as well as rugby and golf. There they are, Grandpa said pointing to three ships sailing across the water up ahead. Susie looked at the ships and then down at the mangled port village below them. Shanties and boats lay in smoking heaps. What happened? she cried. Looks like Drake made a mess while looking for whatever it is he's looking for, Grandpa said, glancing down at the wreckage. Hopefully we aren't too late. From his captain's quarters and the ship up ahead, Drake slammed his fist down on the table. We're going to be too late, he roared. The coins on his long coat jingled as he moved. His crow squawked angrily in a nearby cage, and the long black feather in Drake's captain hat seemed to stretch straight up. I thought the scroll said it was buried somewhere in the Edinburgh port. His trembling first mate swallowed. The scrolls seemed clear, sir. Perhaps I can give them another look and see if... Throw the scrolls overboard and yourself with them, Drake yelled, making the terrified first mate jump out of his boots. The captain marched over to his upside-down globe and ran his hand across it. If I can just get to this last treasure, then I will finally be able to control our jumps. He turned back and scowled. 
No one in no time will be able to stop me. I will go where I want, when I want. He stopped as he heard excited shouts coming from his men outside. After a few thudding footsteps, his door flung open. Captain, said a crewman bursting into the room. They're here. They're back. Captain Drake smiled. About time. High above, Grandpa, Scotty, and the twins flew over the three pirate ships. Scotty had finally calmed down and was now shouting down at the crew. You filthy pirates! He spat, staring down with his stink eye. Get out of my country! Susie, what does the guidebook say? Grandpa asked. Susie was frantically reading over the pages as the pirates below aimed their cannons up at them. It says... Uh, it says... Come on, come on... Words finally faded onto the page. Got it. Head to the Kalanish Stones. The Stones? Scotty stopped cursing the pirates to listen. They're on the Isle of Lewis. That way. Grandpa turned the chair and ready to blast off. Wait! Susie stopped him. It says to slow the pirates down first. Slow them down? Grandpa looked over the wheelchair's buttons in a panic. There are three pirate ships down there. Slow them down. Uh, let's see. No, 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 no. No. Done and done, Sawyer said, proudly licking his fingers and setting the plate down on the armrest. As he did, it pressed several buttons at once. What the? Sawyer? Grandpa yelled. The wheelchair shook. It jerked. It rattled. And then, clunk. A trap door opened under the seat, and a tiny pill dropped out. It whistled as it fell. Boink! It dropped into the water next to the green ship at the end of the line. Seconds later, the water bubbled and churned. It swirled together like a flushing toilet until a massive whirlpool sucked the ships towards it. Shouting and tripping over themselves, the crew scrambled to get control of their ships that were now being pulled towards a huge swirling hole in the water. Grandpa, Scotty, and the twins stared down in stunned silence. That works, Grandpa finally said, to Lewis Isle. Giving Sawyer a pat on the shoulder, he turned the chair and blasted off. On their way to the island, the twins had a chance to appreciate the beauty of Scotland. There were incredible green mountains, old castles, charming stone villages, modern cities, farms spanning the countryside, and rocky coasts. They even flew over the famous Loch Ness, the large lake said to be home of the Loch Ness Monster. Sawyer was especially disappointed not to catch a glimpse of the dinosaur-like creature in the water. "'Boo!' he said as they passed it. Finally, following Scotty's directions, they reached the small village of Kalanish on the island of Lewis. But as soon as they landed, they were shocked by what they saw. Huge cracks cut through the village, splitting buildings in half, separating streets and leaving cars wedged into narrow canyons. "'What happened here?' Scotty cried, hopping off the wheelchair as they landed. The townspeople were tending to their wounded and were mourning the damage done to their homes. Can someone please tell me what happened? Grandpa and the twins followed him as he wandered down the broken walkway. 
Boats lay tipped against each other in the harbor as if they toppled over like dominoes. The pipes of thunder, came a gravelly voice next to them. Scotty and the others turned to see a scruffy fisherman sitting outside a nearby cafe. The pipes of thunder? Scotty looked at the man with his stink eye. But they aren't real. Oh, they're real, all right, the fisherman said, getting up and slowly walking over to them. I heard their cry from deep within the hill myself. It shook the earth and split the village as only the pipes can. Which hill? Susie asked. The fisherman gave her a curious look. Under the stones, of course. But if I were ye, I'd keep far away from that place. We don't want to anger the pipes any more than we already have. Thank you. Scotty nodded to the man, and the man tipped his hat at him. Do you know what stones he's talking about? Sawyer asked. The Cullinish stones, Scotty said. They're an arrangement of ancient standing stones that are believed to be a site of rituals during the Bronze Age. Bronze Age? Sawyer said. It's an ancient time period when bronze was used. Between the years of 3000 to 1200 BC, Grandpa explained. Sawyer thought about that. Whoa, that's old. Are you from the Bronze Age? Grandpa raised an eyebrow at him. Real funny. Captain Drake must be looking for the pipes, Scotty said, gazing off at the hill in the distance. I can't imagine any other reason he'd be here. Then we better get to them before he finds out where they are, Susie said. Agreed, Grandpa said. To the amazement of the townspeople, they flew off for the hill on the wheelchair. When they landed and took a look around, Sawyer and Susie marveled at the standing stones. They looked kind of like giant stone fingers sticking up out of the grass. Stepping over huge cracks that stretched in all directions, they walked around the site and looked for some sign of these so-called pipes. What are the pipes of thunder? Sawyer asked. I don't know exactly, Scotty said, peering around one of the stones. But there's some form of ancient magical artifact that obviously wields an incredible amount of power. Sawyer noted the fresh split canyons and had to agree. It looked like an underground giant had tried to break free. Susie looked over the guidebook again. It doesn't say where they are, she said with some frustration. Splash! Kaboom! Kaboom! The sound of cannon fire suddenly split the air. They turned and saw Drake's three ships appear in the harbor, cannons blazing. Smoke and rubble exploded off the stone buildings. The townspeople screamed and fled the area. Susie returned to the guidebook, panic filling her voice. Come on, come on, come on. There has to be something in here. What about the magnifying glass? Sawyer suggested. Could that help? The magnifying glass. Susie dug into her bag and pulled it out. Show us where the pipes of thunder are. The magnifying glass swirled, and the grassy hill now looked dull and gray when she looked through it. Confused, Susie held it up and scanned over the area. Everything was gray and hazy, almost like everything in the glass was being displayed in black and white. But then, after scanning by the largest of the stones, she stopped. There it is! A gold box glowed beneath the gray hill in the magnifying glass. It's buried by those stones! Right here? Grandpa drove his wheelchair over to the spot. 
That's it, Susie told him. Grandpa pressed a few buttons and an automatic shovel dispensed from the front of the chair. Another press of a button and it started digging. By now, Captain Drake and his pirates had disembarked and were heading up the hill towards them. Some of his crew stayed behind to pillage the village for supplies. Scotty stared down at them with his stink eye and spit. I'll try to buy you some time, he shouted back to Grandpa. Be quick with it. With that, he pulled the bagpipes off his back, blew into the chanter, and filled the bag. Music filled the air as Scotty marched down the side of the hill, being sure to catch the attention of the pirates. Drake and his men hesitated. Follow those pipes, Drake roared. Dozens of his men drew their swords and ran after Scotty. Scotty continued to blow music as he trotted down the hill. Freedom! He shouted between long, breathless notes. Clunk! Grandpa's shovel hit a box, which the twins dug out and opened. Inside was another set of bagpipes, but these looked much older than Scotty's, and the pipes were made of solid gold. Let me see that thing! Grandpa held out his hands for it. Sawyer handed it to him, and Grandpa put them on. Captain Drake and several of his men were on top of the hill now, marching towards them, swords drawn. Taking a deep breath, Grandpa blew into the pipes. They squeaked and then died. He blew some more, but again only screeches and honks sounded from the pipes. Grandpa, have you ever played the bagpipes before? Sawyer asked. Yes, I'm just a little rusty. Susie glanced nervously over at the approaching pirates. Um, maybe I should go get Scotty? I said I got it! Grandpa blew again and again and again, but still nothing. Boom! A musket shot ricocheted off the standing stone next to them. Drop the bagpipes, you maggot! Drake roared. Grandpa slowly dropped the bagpipes to the ground. Now raise your hands where I can see them! Drake bellowed. Grandpa did as he said. The pirates ran over to scoop up the bagpipes and tie up their hands. Grandpa, what do we do? Susie whispered. I'm thinking, Grandpa mumbled. Your jetpack left quite a nice trail to follow, Drake said with a grin. I guess it's a good thing for both of us you got it back. He looked at the big bald pirate next to him. Take them to the ship. I want to learn what they know. The pirates roughly grabbed the twins and started to lift Grandpa out of the chair. Uh, please, he groaned. Please, just let me stay in the chair. My back, I can't move without this thing. Just push it from behind. I can't do anything with it when I'm tied up. Drake scowled down at him, his coin eye patch gleaming in the sun that now peeked through the clouds. His crow squawked. Push him aboard for all I care. Drake and his men pushed Grandpa and the twins onto the brown ship and threw them onto the deck. Grandpa sat next to them in his chair, his hands tied behind his back. Now, tell me how to use this thing, Drake said, roughly grabbing the bagpipes out of one of the pirate's hands. I don't know, Grandpa said, his head lowered. I couldn't play them myself. I don't believe you. Drake considered him and then blew into the chanter a few times, but like Grandpa, could only get it to honk and screech. This can't be right! Tell me how to use them! 
I said I don't know, Grandpa yelled back. In that case, Drake snarled, getting real close to Grandpa. You are no use to me. Throw them overboard. Grandpa and the twins looked at him, stunned. Wait, I can figure it out, Grandpa pleaded. But the men pushed his chair and the kids over to the edge of the deck. You have to blow longer and harder, Grandpa shouted. Stop, Drake commanded. He marched over with the bagpipes, held them up, and gave them a long, hard blow. The bagpipes honked and then died. Let me try, Grandpa said. If I get them to work, will you let us go? Drake paused. He chuckled at his crew and then turned back to Grandpa. You have my word, he said in a not-so-convincing tone. Hold the chanter up to my mouth and cover all the holes, Grandpa instructed. It'll give me the loudest note. Drake hesitated and then did as he said, placing the chanter up to Grandpa's mouth and then covering the flute-like holes with his other hand. Grandpa took a deep breath and blew. The boat shook and crack split right down the middle. The ship started breaking apart into two halves. Drake and the bagpipes fell onto one half, while Grandpa and the twins rolled back onto the other. Splintered wood and pirates were sent flying. The two halves of the ship caved in and started to sink. Grandpa rolled down towards the water with the twins just behind him. Before they could splash down, he raised his leg and slammed it down on a yellow button on the armrest. Within seconds, the wheelchair turned into a boat. Splash! The chairboat landed in the water and the twins plopped down onto it. Sawyer, the globe! Grandpa shouted. Sawyer puffed out his chest that had the globe sticking out of it. I can't spin it with my hands tied behind my back. Here, Susie spun the globe with her head. Take us home, she told it. A destination glowed on its surface. Drake laughed maniacally on the other sinking half of the ship. He held up the pipes of thunder as his legs sank below the water. <laughs> it's mine! It's mine! One of his mates from the neighboring ship was paddling up to him on a rescue boat. Let's get out of here, Grandpa shouted. He touched shoulders with the twins and then touched his forehead to the glowing destination. They landed in the treehouse and water splashed around them. Their chairboat pontoons slowly deflated as they caught their breath. Grandma ran up to them. Are you guys okay? What happened? Dante said, joining her. He got it, Grandpa cried, trying to wiggle his tight hands to the front of his body. Got what? Grandma and Dante asked. The pipes of thunder. He's going to take it to Antarctica. We can't beat him, Sawyer said. The guy's got like a hundred pirates. Dante smiled. We can beat him, and we will. With a little help, there's still a chance. A little help? Susie questioned. Dante grinned and pointed to the other end of the treehouse. When they looked, the twins' mouths dropped. Squeezing into the treehouse, just behind the flickering lantern of lost souls, were at least a dozen globetrotters, all of different nationalities. The twins noticed some familiar faces. There was Inigo Montoya from Spain, the Canadians Barry and Harry, Hans Schmidt from Germany, 
Shaka from South Africa, Dora, the Tamale Lady from Mexico, Harish from India, Watson from England, Aziza from Egypt, Achara from Thailand, Alf, the Norwegian Viking, and even Gabriella from Nigeria. There were several others standing in the backyard outside the treehouse, arguing over whose turn it was to lay in Grandpa's hammock, while one man who looked like a colonial soldier tried to figure out how to work the grill. Before the twins could say anything, a light flashed in the room and Scotty appeared next to them, out of breath. He put his hands on his knees and slowly looked up at them. He frowned. Where are the pipes of thunder? Sawyer shrugged. Oops. Oops. You have got to be kidding me. Scotty jumped when he noticed all the other globetrotters standing around him. Oh, hey, Alf. The enormous Viking gave him a friendly wave. Scotty looked back at the twins and shook his head. <sighs> now what? Dante stepped forward. Now we plan. Hey, Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Grandpa's Globe. We're getting really close to the climax. Only a couple more episodes left of this season. And I really hope you like how this season ends. It's going to be interesting. Let's take a second to do some Rocketeer shout-outs to some of our patrons. Graham from Baltimore, Maryland. Graham, you're awesome. Thanks so much for your support. Bronwyn and Rowan, thank you for listening, you guys. Raven and Dominic, Shiana and Ailey from New Zealand, all the way from New Zealand. Oh, man, so cool. Thank you, guys. And we have Will, Josh, Ella, Wesley, and James from Cedar Hills, Utah. Thank you guys for listening. Rocketeers, check out the Purple Rocket Patreon page. You'll find ad-free episodes, some bonus stories that I tell my kids at bedtime. Check it out. And be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts when you get a second. And tell your friends and family, as always. And more importantly, tune in in a couple weeks for the next episode. Till next time, Rocketeers, this is your host, Greg Webb.